0: If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Patriotic Christian Americans often recite these powerful words on Independence Day and on the National Day of Prayer, begging the Lord to heal our land, and rightly so. Though Israel had a unique relationship with God in the Old Testament, the basic truth found in 2 Chronicles 7.14 is something we should remember and respond to every day of the year. It is always good for us to confess our sins to God, practice repentance, and pray with humility. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good.
1: people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land That's second Chronicles 7:14. and this is something good radio hello I'm Brian Davis thanks for tuning in that promise from God was given to the nation of Israel in the days of King Solomon does it apply to other nations as well specifically to the United States. Find out next as Dr. Ron Jones moves ahead in his teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Stay with us here or drop by somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's join Ron for today's Something Good Radio message, Second Chronicles, If My People
0: what's past is prologue how many of you have heard that phrase before what's past is prologue if we were on jeopardy uh, and you answered what is act two scene one of william shakespeare's play the tempest ding ding you would get all the points because that's where it comes from what's past is prologue william shakespeare characters in the play use the phrase to suggest that history sets the context for both the present and the future. Uh, You might also say, what is inscribed on a statue outside of the National Archives building in Washington, D.C.? Ding, ding, you'd also get some points there because there's a statue outside the National Archives building in Washington, D.C. called Future, a statue called Future. And etched in stone at the base is this William Shakespeare phrase From Act 2, Scene 1 of the Tempest, what's past is prologue. And it reminds us of what we learned in 1 Chronicles last week. Don't let anybody cancel your history. Amen? Because what's past is prologue. You can't understand your present and who you are in the present, and you certainly can't take steps into the future until you understand your past. So don't let anybody cancel your history, or more uh, eloquently put by William Shakespeare, what's past is prologue. The past as prologue to Israel's future might have been on Ezra's mind as he compiled the chronicles for the Jewish remnant who were returning to Jerusalem after the Babylonian captivity. It's important to keep that uh, historical framework in mind. The Jews went into captivity with the Babylonians, that is the southern kingdom did and, and, and Judah did in 586 B.C. They were there for 70 years. This is some time after that, that Ezra is compiling a history that seems repetitive, but he, he's coming at it from a different perspective. He puts into historical perspective what was about to happen, the rebuilding of the temple by proclamation of Cyrus, king of Persia. Wow, just put a little mark by that thought. Chapter 36, verses 22 and 23. We'll return to that. More than 70 years earlier, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon besieged Jerusalem, deported the best of the Jewish youths, and destroyed the glorious temple built by Solomon. It was now time for God's people to rebuild their lives by returning to Jerusalem and prioritizing the worship of Yahweh. Now, originally, the books of First and 2 Chronicles were one book, so it shouldn't surprise us that 2 Chronicles in our Bible picks up where 1 Chronicles left off historically, that is with the death of King David and the rise of his son Solomon as king on the throne in, uh, in Judah or in Israel because they were uh, a united monarchy at that time. The first nine chapters of 2 Chronicles, you see this in the chart that I gave you in your notes, the first nine chapters review Solomon's 40-year reign, following David's 40-year reign, following Saul's reign, all of that with a united kingdom. And then chapters 10 through 36 uh, reviews uh, another four centuries of David's descendants reigning in Judah. Again, some of this is, is, is history we've already been through, but Ezra is going to highlight some things that weren't highlighted in Samuel and, and, and in the kings, he focuses his historical review on the southern kingdom and gives uh, most of his attention to those kings who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Now, there were no kings in the north where we could say that about them, that they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Most of them, all of them, really fell in the, uh, or followed in the line of Jeroboam, who was the first king in the north. And he was a wicked, wicked king. They all followed in his footsteps. Eight or nine dynasties that rose and fell. But but down here in the southern uh, kingdom of Judah, all descendants of David, not all of them did what was right in the Lord's eyes, but a few of them did. Namely, Asa, Jehoshaphat, Joash, Uzziah, Hezekiah, and then my personal favorite is uh, young King Josiah and we'll talk about them in a minute. Now, in uh, 2 Chronicles, the temple takes center stage. Uh, Ezra takes a lot of time to lay out uh, details about the funding and even the uh, building of the temple under Solomon's reign. And as the temple takes center stage in 2 Chronicles, it points us to Christ. If you're looking for that Christ connection, In all of this history, if you're looking for the Christ connection in 2 Chronicles, it's the temple. Consider these statements that Jesus made. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 6, Jesus said of himself, something greater than the temple is here. Uh, Jesus also compared himself to the temple when he predicted his own resurrection. In John chapter 2 and verse 19, he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. I don't think they had a clue as to what he was talking about until after the resurrection. And then Jesus replaces the temple in the new heaven and the new earth and the new glorious city, Jerusalem, that John the Apostle writes about in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now I'm in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 22. At the end of the age, it says, John says, and I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And until then... Between the time where we are and the end of the age, um, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 that we as believers in Jesus Christ are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the, the, the temple is this, this uh, amazing edifice in the Old Testament that points us to Christ. And during the church age that we are in, The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are traveling worship facilities, as it were. And that's just uh, something to consider even as we go back in time and consider uh, those first nine chapters where Solomon built this glorious temple. Second Chronicles, as I mentioned earlier, is perhaps best known for chapter seven and verse 14, where the Lord responds to a prayer that Solomon gave uh, in the chapter earlier, when he dedicated the temple, and here's the Lord's response: If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Maybe you're among the patriotic Christian Americas who love Americans who love to recite chapter 7 and verse 14 on uh, Independence Day, July 4th, or on the National Day of Prayer. You know, we like to pull out 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, and we, we recite that on those wonderful patriotic days. We pray and we beg God to heal our land. Nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing to do. In fact, the basic truth found in 2 Chronicles 7, 14 is something we should remember and respond to every day of our lives. Uh, It's always good for us to confess our sins to God, to practice repentance, uh, to pray with humility. However, when we do this as New Testament believers, will it yield national blessing and renewal for our nation or for any nation that prays this way in the same way that it yielded national blessing and renewal for Israel? Ah, That's a much different question. Uh, the answer to that question must take into consideration the historical context of 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, uh, plus the unique relationship that Israel had with God in the Old Testament. Let me just take you on a little journey here. Deuteronomy chapter 28 lays out uh, some of the terms of the covenant relationship that God had with Israel, terms that are known as the blessings for obedience and the curses for disobedience, and when you go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 6, which is important to read as you come to 7.14, when Solomon is praying at that glorious day when they opened up the temple and they dedicated the temple, you kind of get the sense that Solomon had the covenant relationship and the terms of the covenant in mind when he is praying because his prayer has this if-then construction to it, which, which was very reminiscent of the covenant relationship that God made with Israel. Israel, if you do this, then I will do this. If you do this, then I will do this. If you don't do this, then, you know, I won't do this. And you have to understand that in relation to God's response in 714 when he says, if my people, who are called by my name, then I will do this. So let's go back to chapter six.
1: Don't go away. We're only about halfway through today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today's teaching is part of Ron's series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Visit our updated website, somethinggoodradio.org for more information on this series or to hear any of Ron's daily messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, check out our Something Good travel experiences. In fact, travel beyond belief with Dr. Ron and Catherine Jones to Bible lands like Israel, Greece, Italy, Jordan, Turkey, and Egypt. Walk in the footsteps of Jesus or navigate Paul's missionary journeys. Several new travel experiences are now open for registration. Learn more at somethinggoodradio.org travel. Well, if you want to pray according to the will of God, pray according to the Word of God. Here's Dr. Ron Jones with more of today's Something Good radio message, Second Chronicles, If My People.
0: And you can read uh, chapter six, verses 12 through 42, and get the larger uh, swath of Solomon's prayer when they're dedicating the temple. But I just wanna zero in on uh, verses 36 through 40, just to get a little flavor of it, where Solomon prays to the Lord. If they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you are angry with them and give them to an enemy so that they are carried away captive to a land far or near, yet if their heart, uh, if they turn their heart rather in the land to which they have been carried captive and repent and plead with you in the land of their captivity, saying, We have sinned and have acted perversely and wickedly, if they repent with all of their heart, and with all their soul in the land of their captivity to which they were carried captive, and pray toward their land which you you gave to their fathers, the city that you have chosen, and the house that I have built for for your name. Then hear from heaven your dwelling place, their prayer and their pleas, and maintain their cause, and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Now, O my God, let your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayer of this place." Uh, What what a powerful prayer, and a a prayer that has has depth of meaning to it, but a prayer that also is is taken from the covenant relationship. Here's what Solomon is doing. He's praying the Word of God back to God. He's going back to the covenant relationship, and, and he's praying what the Lord said to them, In the Mosaic law, he's praying that back to the Lord. And you know what, that's a a really good way to pray. I meet people all the time and sometimes I feel this way. I I don't know what to pray. Pray the word of God back to God. You wanna pray according to the will of God, (laughs) pray the word of God. Every time you pray the word of God, you'll be perfectly aligned with the will of God. And this is what Solomon is doing. God, this is what you promised to do, the if-then constructions. Now, in light of that, the Lord responds to Solomon's prayer. And if you read uh, 2 Chronicles 6 and 7, it says that after Solomon completed the Lord's house and he prayed, the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him this. Let's pick it up in verse 12 of chapter 7. The Lord says, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, he's saying all the curses that I talked about in the covenant relationship, if all of that happens to you and things are going really bad, now we're ready for 714. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. You know, it's always important to read the Word of God in context. What did it mean to the people to whom it was written originally? And only then, when you have the historical perspective, can you build the applicational bridge into the present And by doing so, you you understand that if then construction. Thus, when Israel repented of her ways, she did so nationally. It was a national repentance, starting with whoever was sitting on the throne. All right? Much different than, you know, where we are in America. America is not Israel, America does not have the unique covenant relationship that God had with Israel. Prophetically speaking, we are in the church age, all right? And uh, Israel has kind of paused until the rapture of the church, followed by what's called seven years of tribulation, and what's also referred to in Bible prophecy as Daniel's 70th week. It's the remaining prophetic week where God will then turn his attention back to Israel and all of the covenant promises that God made to Israel way back in the books of the law he hasn't forgotten them their disobedience hasn't negated those those who embrace what's called replacement theology they westernize our faith too much and they say america is the new israel the church is the new israel no you know what that says about god is he doesn't keep his promises he is faithful to his covenant, regardless of whether Israel was faithful to God. And he'll come back to her someday. Um, so let's understand historically even one of our favorite bumper sticker verses. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. It may sound like I'm splitting theological hairs, but Old, co- old Testament covenant blessings and curses need to be understood historically and only applied principally for the church. Is it good for us to pray? 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14, absolutely. It's always good for us to confess our sins to God, to practice repentance, to uh, pray with humility before him. And if we know anything about the character of God, he'll bless us and he'll bless our nation, but not based upon a covenant relationship that was unique to Israel's relationship with her, uh, with God in the Old Testament. The sad reality during this time in Israel's history is that they did not follow the Lord with their whole heart. Ultimately, not even Solomon met the conditions of the blessings. His immorality led to the nation uh, splitting into the northern and southern kingdoms during his son Rehoboam's reign. And led by Jeroboam, the northern kingdom ran grossly into morality, uh, were overtaken by the Assyrians, and never heard of again. The southern kingdom did better, but Judah experienced only brief seasons of reform under the leadership of uh, uh, the kings that I mentioned before and that I want to talk about here in our time remaining. Uh, this is Asa and Jehoshaphat, Joash. Uzziah, Hezekiah, Josiah, each of these kings were zealous protectors of the Davidic dynasty. But even at the end of about four and a half centuries of history, the Davidic dynasty crumbles. But the Davidic line to Messiah did not. And you see the providential hand of God just preserving the Messianic line all the way to Bethlehem. Now, let's talk about some of these good kings because, again, what Ezra is doing in the recompilation of this history is trying to reach out to another generation of Israelites who are trying to rebuild their lives after 70 years of captivity. They're coming back to Jerusalem. And he's saying, listen, you can't understand the way forward. You can't understand who you are present unless you understand your past and you appreciate who you are as the chosen people of God. So let let me tell you your story. And he goes through specifically the reigns of kings in the southern kingdom only, in Judah only, the Davidic dynasty, the Davidic line to Messiah. And he gives, um, well, at least 70% of the editorial space in chapters 10 through 36 are focused on the kings who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord.
1: Thanks for being here for today's Something Good Radio message, Second Chronicles, If My People. And uh, we're going to pick it up right here tomorrow when Ron continues his teaching series called Route 66, The Ultimate
0: Road Trip Through the Bible. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed Something Good, Did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to Something Good, which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, Every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. Partnership is essential in order for the body of Christ
1: to fulfill the great commission. It always has been. So today, Ron wants to invite you to join him in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ through the Something Good radio broadcast. And when you partner with us, we'll start by sending you a copy of Ron's popular book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, exploring its amazing secrets. Other 828 Club benefits will arrive throughout the year, so join the 828 Club today. Look for Something Good Partners at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or you can call 757-276-1099. If you can't become a partner but would like to make a donation to Something Good Radio today, we'll send you an e-book written by Dr. Ron Jones that goes along with his current series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. This great resource covers road trip number two in our journey, the Old Testament historical books, Joshua through Esther. And it's our gift to you for your gift to Something Good Radio. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245. Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099.
0: And if America returns to God, uh, Bible history gives us every reason to believe based upon the character of God, not a covenant relationship that now where America has replaced Israel or anything like that, but based upon the character of God, we have every reason to believe from Bible history that God will bless his people and bless his nation. And so I just say, um, may revival in the church and a spiritual awakening from sea to shining sea start with you and start with me. Let's pray in the spirit of 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14.
1: That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Second Chronicles, If My People. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.